Hello, welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast. Along the way, there'll always be games and jokes, but mainly this is serious history. Well, as serious as me and Gribbing get. Hello and welcome to the new Dalham History Podcast. Live! From Berlin. In the hostel. Because yeah. it's raining, so... Yeah, and we can't get anywhere else that sounds cooler. We could have done it from the top of the TV tower. Never oh, mind. Oh, Right, so we're in Berlin, and so therefore we're going to do some relevant topics. Again. Again. We've already done a brilliant one, I thought, on the Reichstag fire, which you haven't got yet, because we are recording in Germany, so we're doing two at once without any processing. But imagine that they weren't released on the same day. <laughs> um, so... As well as the Reichstag fire, we're going to look at the Berlin Wall and we're going to focus on the building of the Berlin Wall. So we're moving from the Nazis to the Cold War, but actually it sort of demonstrates what a significant city Berlin is in the course of history. Bear in mind, we are not, I repeat, not doing the Berlin blockade. The blockade is Stalin. This is Khrushchev. The wall is totally separate from the blockade. It is. Also separate from the Iron Curtain. Which wasn't actually real. Very confusing. Hopefully by the end of this podcast we're a little bit clearer. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, to set the scene of what took place between 58 and 61, it's important to understand that between 1949 and 1961, 4 million East Germans fled to the West through Berlin. Yeah, so all they had to do was travel from East to West Berlin, and once they were there, they could travel to West Germany. So um, it's cool. It's also known as the refugee crisis because, well, they were fleeing one side to the other, so technically were seen as refugees. And it's a really massive problem for Khrushchev and the East because um, they're losing valuable members of society that are contributing to the economy. Once it hits January 1961, that's when it becomes a real rapid increase. There's about 20,000 people a month leaving to the West. You've got an interesting fact from marking exams last year, haven't you? Oh, yeah. And actually, in Germany, um, the entire uh, department of the maths department of the University of uh, Leipzig, um, the whole department defected from uh, East to West. Yeah. So... Khrushchev is then determined that he's going to fix the problem. Um, he describes Berlin as a fishbone stuck in his throat. Um, it's the gap in his Iron Curtain and he needs to close that gap. Yeah, and it's leading to this massive brain drain, which is, you know, all the key workers leaving. So engineers and technicians, doctors, teachers, people that you need to keep your economy and your society running are leaving. OK, so that's also why there's a big issue. So... He issues his ultimatum um, in 58? Yeah, November 1958. Uh, saying that the Allies are breaking the Potsdam Agreement uh, and that they should leave Berlin within six months and suggest that it should become a free city. The West was really, really irritated by these demands and saw his actions as another example of the Soviet Union trying to spread communism. Um, but Khrushchev saw his demands as essential to, to stop this flood of skilled workers from leaving um, East Germany. Um, by this point in 1958, both sides have got quite a large number of nuclear weapons, so they didn't really want this to lead um, to war. So between 1959 and 61, there were a number of summit meetings held to try and solve the Berlin problem. 
what comes before that? I only knew about the, <laughs> the, the Paris Summit. Tell me more, Miss Gribbin. There's three meetings. So in uh, 19, May 1959, you have the Geneva Summit, okay. uh, where they meet and made suggestions as to how Berlin should be governed. They couldn't reach an agreement, okay, but they were able to discuss possibilities. Then you've got Camp David in September oh. 1959. Uh, Eisenhower and Khrushchev met face to face in the USA. There was no agreement still, but the Soviets did withdraw the ultimatum, so they appeared to get on a little bit better. But then, when it gets to the Paris summit in 1960, that U 2 spy plane with mm. Bono in it gets shot down. <laughs> it doesn't actually have Bono in it, guys. Please don't write that <laughs> yeah. in your exam. Uh, but the, the pilot gets captured and put on trial, and Khrushchev says that all the flights at high altitude should stop, and America is essentially uh, committing espionage uh, violations above their territory. Um, that escalates um, the well, problem and the summit doesn't take place, does yeah, it? Yeah, well, Eisenhower refuses to apologise and then Khrushchev walks out. So, again, no decisions are made. I feel like a quote from Khrushchev is required at this point. So, um, speaking at the pe press conference after the summit had collapsed, Khrushchev, um, who was hissed and booed, <laughs> um, thought that the noises were coming from the German press. And he said, you fascist word for people who don't know who their dad is. Oh, OK. That's bastards, kids. <laughs> um, uh, and the kind we didn't finish off at Stalingrad, we hit you so hard that we put you 10 feet under right away. If you boo and hiss us we, and attack us again, look out. We will hit you so hard there won't be a squeal out of you. So he was getting a bit huffy. Wow, yeah, Khrushchev getting a bit... bit sensitive there um there is a final summit meeting in vienna in 1961 change of president gone from eisenhower to kennedy now i think khrushchev sees kennedy as a bit of a soft touch he's a bit young bit green as in yeah. fresh he sees this as his chance to to gain control yeah the get the better get the sort of upper hand over kennedy um he also knew that kennedy had looked a bit weak recently when um the uh, bay of pigs invasion of cuba had failed but you know, yeah. that's on our previous podcast. Yeah, we've about done that. that. We've done that. Um, new talks were held in Vienna. Khrushchev renewed the ultimatum, so he puts the ultimatum back on the table. Um, Kennedy was determined not to appear weak and not give away control of Berlin. So He refused. reissues the Truman Doctrine. He <laughs> just reiterates, yeah, we, we've got to contain um, communism, a little bit like coronavirus. I, I believe we're still doing pretty well with that. Yeah. Um, Kennedy decides to increase spending on the armed forces to over $2 billion. So it makes it look like he's prepared to go to war. It's over OK. Berlin. Khrushchev announces that the Soviet defence budget would be increased by 30% in retaliation. 30%? Yeah. Wow. Significant. So this is why Berlin is such a significant historic city. Um, it basically, it involves itself in the Cold War to the point where um, two superpowers are willing to go to nuclear war um, over it. Um, so, what's the solution? Well, it's the sudden appearance of a barrier between East and West. A physical barrier this time, not just Churchill's Iron Curtain. Indeed. Um, the wall is built in uh, 1961. Before the actual wall is built... OK, um, more more East Germans decide to cross to the West just in case Khrushchev decides to close the border. On just one day in August 1961, 40,000 East Germans crossed to the West. 
And on the night of the 12th of August 1961, East German troops built a barbed wire fence around Berlin and between East and West Berlin. Yeah, I mean, they tear down a lot of the buildings, don't they, instantly between the East and West border to make space for something coming uh, to fill the void. Uh, America and the Allies, they don't do anything to stop the building of the wall um, in those initial first days. Um it goes from being barbed wire to being chain fences and minefields. Um, and th the idea is to clear an area so that anybody trying to escape can be shot yeah. uh, and make it easier. I mean, very soon it's replaced with an actual concrete wall and it's 3.6 metres high. It cut through streets and even buildings. So like you said before, buildings were knocked down to build it. Um, and between East and West Berlin, there were two walls, one facing East and the other West. And they were separated by a zone known as a no man's land or the death zone the or death zone, however yeah. you want to refer to it, because that is where you died attempting to cross. I mean, there's per soldiers patrolling, there's dogs, floodlights, trip wire machine guns. It is. It's got the name yeah. death zone for a reason. Booby traps, minefields, lookout towers, machine gun nests, searchlights. You know, it is pretty. Don't you think of it as a wall? No. It, it's not a wall. The wall is the edge of the barrier. Although interesting. Uh, I always wondered how they managed to get the materials together so quickly to build the wall, because it is over the matter of weeks. It goes yeah. from being a barbed wire fence to being a physical Is uh, it all barrier. the rubble from the Second World War? Or is it... Even better than that, they've been stockpiling it for months and months in Berlin. And when the West say, why have you got so much construction stuff? Khrushchev says, we are helping the Germans to rebuild East Berlin, we, we finally committed to the idea oh of God. developing it. This is for a load of skyscrapers. So they've got these big concrete blocks that are wall-shaped, but they, they claim that they're going to be for housing. And then wow. it's just all wheeled out and so put it's in not, place. So it's not a spontaneous decision. It's been no. planned by Khrushchev. I mean, some people do try and cross the wall, um, but um, East German border guards are told to shoot anyone who try. And mm -hmm. it's, I think it's estimates of 130 people were killed. Um uh, but yeah, they also, um, it also has a lot of different effects on the relationship between East and West. Definitely. I think if we first of all think about the US-Soviet relations, important for our GCSE, the war leads to a standoff uh, mm. in October. The USA disputes the right of Soviet troops to be patrolling and guarding uh, the checkpoints to the wall. Uh, and checking passports of American officials. Um, the Americans station their own troops and tanks on the western side of the checkpoints, which then puts the Soviets in a position where they have to put tanks on the East German side. And that's when it feels like this could get hot really quickly. Uh, Kennedy works behind the scenes, promises Khrushchev that if the Soviet Union remove their troops, America will do the same. And they kind of inch themselves back mm. uh, over the course of a day to to get to a position where the tanks are no longer facing off. It, yeah, it causes a massive increase in tensions. And I mean, it is a, a physical representation of the Cold War. So um, it also affects the reputations of both Kennedy and Khrushchev. So Kennedy is treated like a sort of almost hero when he goes to visit West Berlin in 1963. Thousands of West Berliners turn out to see him. He's treated like a rock star. His route was showered with flowers um, and crowds chanted his name. Um, during his visit, he praises the freedoms of the West and compared them with communism in his famous uh, speech in which he said, Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> I'm, I am a citizen of Berlin or... I'm a, a donut. donut. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's, a, 
initially causes a massive increase in tension, but then some people have argued that then it decreases tension as well. Certainly, Khrushchev thinks that he's won. Um, yeah. He interprets the construction of the wall in two ways. He thinks that he's beaten Kennedy uh, and was prepared for the next chance to outmaneuver his rival, that this is his um, opening gambit. Uh, the flow of refugees has stopped uh, as well. So the economic crisis in East Germany has been solved. Yeah, also they've avoided a war. As Kennedy said, a wall was better than a wall. Um, and it does actually separate East from West definitively so that each power can rule as they want. And, I mean, it's talked about differently and referred to differently in East and West as well. So we always refer to it in the West as the Berlin Wall, but in the East, and you had to refer to it as this, mm. it was known as the uh, anti-fascist protection barrier. Indeed. I mean, he says that it guards the gates of socialist paradise. Yeah, and if you were um, seen to or heard to refer to the wall as anything other than the fascist protection barrier in East Germany or East Berlin, uh, you would effectively be sort of hunted down by the secret police and interrogated as to why you were a subversive uh, character and you were undermining socialism. It's crazy, isn't it? Just the idea that one city, two very different ways of life. Mm. Am I? Okay, so who am I, Gribbs? I'm going to go in reverse order this time. Whoa. I'm going to give you some facts towards the end of the person's life and work our way back. Yeah. Mixing Mind it up. blown. So. you renegade. This person. Okay. Died in 1971 of a heart attack. Age 77. Okay. Um, this person um, was not allowed to go to Disneyland. Oh, do you know what? That fact rings a bell. Okay, carry on. Um, this person visited Silicon Valley in 1959 um, and was unimpressed with computer technology stating that it wouldn't catch on, <laughs> but was impressed with their buffet-style cafeteria uh, and encouraged it to be introduced back at home. Is it a Soviet leader? It is a Soviet leader. Okay. I just want to, you know, check. Um, when they met Yuri Gagarin, the famous the cosmonaut, oh, um, they used it as an opportunity to boost uh, anti-religious campaigns in the Soviet Union, stating... Gagarin flew into space, but he didn't see any God there. <laughs> um, he made a speech denouncing Stalin that was so shocking it caused heart attacks for some in attendance and others committed suicides afterwards. Wow, I, I've got it now. She's got it. Is it Khrushchev? It is Khrushchev. Because he announced de-Stalinisation. It was in a secret speech it that was they made public. It was, a secret speech, yeah. yeah. Um that was an easy one. I think it was Khrushchev when you well, said Disneyland. But I had so many interesting facts. Yeah, I know. He is an interesting guy. Yeah, uh, the, the Disneyland one, just to flesh it out a little bit more, uh, I'm being told that security concerns meant that he couldn't go to Disneyland. He apparently went berserk and he said afterwards, what have you got there? Rocket launching pads. Is there a cholera <laughs> epidemic down there? Have gangsters taken control of the place? Your police are strong enough to lift up a bull. Surely they're strong enough to take care of gangsters. <laughs> Khrushchev is crazy. Isn't he? Uh, another one, uh, JFK's daughter was secretly gifted the puppy of the first Russian dog in space as part of a series of secret uh, 
daily correspondence between Khrushchev and JFK, and oh. the dog bit every Kennedy in the household. They trained it. That's a brilliant fact. Uh, and also, he apparently had a real emotional breakdown when he heard about JFK's assassination. He Aww. thought that the next president would probably increase the likelihood of nuclear war, having had such good relations with Kennedy after the missile crisis. Who's the next president after Kennedy? Uh, Lyndon. Yeah. Lyndon B. Who Johnson. Is it? It's Lyndon B. Johnson, because he's the one that um, escalated the uh, Vietnam War, wasn't he? Oh, well, so he was right. Yeah. I mean, I can't stop it. I need more facts. So Khrushchev as well. Kids, these are good Khrushchev facts. Help you remember him. Um, he was a member of the Stalin Industrial Academy in Moscow in the 20s and 30s, uh, and he actually met Joseph Stalin. Well, How cool is that? So he used to attend the academy named after him. Um, he oversaw the complete rehaul of the Moscow subway system in 1935. Mm. He claimed that Stalin once made him do a traditional Ukrainian dance to embarrass him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> when are these going to run out? <laughs> I've got so many. He was forced from power by his successor Leonid Brezhnev and a cabal of others. Uh, he was allowed to retire with an apartment, uh, Dasha in the country, and even got a pension. Mm. So, Interesting. That's Khrushchev. Kids, remember at least something cat. about him. Also, remember that his name has three H's. Not many names have three. Mm. So it's K H R U S H. C H E V. Wow. Three H's. Nicky's got it all going on. What a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Tech, tech, technique time. So, technique time. Technic time. Technic time. time. The jingles. The jingles are the best bit. So we are looking at the consequences question. When it comes to the consequences, you need two consequences of an event to do with something. So, for example, uh, our, our question would be, explain two consequences of the building of the Berlin Wall. Now, a good answer will have two lengthy paragraphs that are focused on the consequence and explaining it with precise details. Yeah, so you need to have some exact knowledge about the thing that it's asking you about. So you need to have, you know, facts and figures or statistics about the building of the Berlin Wall in 1961. You could do a paragraph off the top of your head? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, One consequence of the building of the Berlin Wall... Uh, was that it increased tension between the USA and the Soviet Union, with Kennedy feeling that he had been outmaneuvered by Khrushchev and unlikely to back down again. This increased tension was shown when there was a standoff by troops of the two superpowers on either side of one of the checkpoints on the Berlin Wall, which proved to be one of the most tense moments of the Cold War in Europe in October 1961. We were there this morning. Oh, my God. Chapel Charlie. Yeah. Um, so if I do a second one, yeah. can I follow it up? A second consequence was Kennedy's determination to support West Berlin against any future Soviet threats. This was shown by his visit to West Berlin in 63, when he made several speeches in some of its major cities and was met by a huge cheering crowd. He made uh, clear American support for the city with his statement, I am a jam donut. Ich bin ein Berliner. Same diff. Yeah. I think a Berliner is like a long, thin donut, like a yum-yum. I think they have jam in them, though, don't they? And that's what you need to do. No, 
No introduction, no conclusion, no. just two consequences. Name the consequence, have some key facts about it, describe and explain why it was important. And try mention donuts. If you can. If you can. Where else can I go? So, where else can I go? Well, there's loads and loads and loads of stuff on the Berlin Wall, especially considering that 2019 was the 30th anniversary of its the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was, and documentaries abound. My favourite one being David Hasselhoff. What's it called? It's David... called, uh, where is it? Uh, David Hasselhoff versus the Berlin Wall. He does it all. He retraces the wall's history, talks to people uh, who live behind it, looks at some of the really amazing escapes. It's an hour of Hasselhoffy goodness. Um, if you want in a film, highly recommend The Tunnel, which came out in 2001. That's based on the true events of some people in 61 kind of looking to escape um, using a tunnel. There's also that Tom Hanks film. Bridge of Spies. Yeah. So it's not about the building of the Berlin Wall, but it sort of sets the tone of like the Cold War and what it was like in Berlin with the wall and the secret police and all that sort of stuff. That's quite good. That is. If you want something a little bit older, there is The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. That's a 65 Ooh. British Cold War spy That's film. Good, That's a good one. It's got um, Richard Burton in it. Um, what wants that? to sell his secrets for money. Um, recommend that one. Have you ever seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Uh, no, I haven't. That's a good one. Um, that's if you're wanting to look at the music side of things. Talks about, um, it's got all sorts of stuff about gender uh, fluidity and mm. cross-dressing in Germany. Obviously, uh, Berlin has always been uh, oh, a yeah, capital hot spot. of yeah. um, diversity freedom. and freedom. Um, yeah, it looks at the East-West um Issues uh, around the time of the building of the wall. If you want a more general Cold War atmosphere type of film, I mean, it is fictional, but Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is always a good one. Oh, That's got Gary Oldman and uh, what's his face? Tom Hardy. Is he in it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's basically, it's set in Britain though, and it's about the espionage and the sort of atmosphere of the Cold mm. War. That's a really good film, actually, if you wanted to watch that. But... There's loads of videos on YouTube about the Berlin Wall. There's yeah. loads of documentaries. We've all we mention the CNN documentary every time we do a Cold War podcast they because it is good. Yeah. <laughs> Joke time. Joke time. Ah, oh, can, can you make jokes about the Berlin Wall? I suppose we can do. Yeah. Maybe too soon for some people, but you know we're not in Germany, so. Oh That's wait, we funny, are right now because we are in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, shall I go first? Yeah. Okay. Then if they arrest you, I'm still free. Okay. How can you use a banana as a compass? How can you use a banana as a compass? Place a banana on the Berlin Wall. The bitten end would point east. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Next joke. Yours was better than mine. Yeah. Um, why did the Berlin Wall fall? I don't know. Why did the Berlin Wall fall? It wanted to go down in history. <laughs> oh. yeah. well, well, and if you've got any jokes, send them in. Yeah. Email either me or Howarth. Uh, you can tweet at Mr. Howarth. You can... Yeah. So that that's probably time for us to go up and check that the kids are asleep. <laughs> They're not asleep. We know you're not asleep. 
but we'll still come up and just listen on the corridor to the fact you're talking in your rooms. I'm thinking about you, Tom Woodhams, who will not be listening to the podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh, it, well, it's Offie the same. Offie the same. Tschüss. Bye. <laughs>